0: I I listened to her story and it's like, you're not living together apart. You're living separately screwing other people. It was a marriage in name only. It was just like, I'm too late to get divorced.
1: What's up, lovers and friends? Welcome to the podcast called The Same Damn Thing, Lovers and Friends, a podcast. My name is Sham Boudram, and I'm a sexologist who's been working as a public figure educator for 15 years. I've talked about sex and relationships everywhere from The View to Playboy and from YouTube to Netflix. And this is the podcast where I bring everything and everyone I admire together in one place. Each episode, I'll be combining my educational background in psychology, sexology, and journalism to deep dive into all things intimacy, which I define as things under the umbrella of sex, relationships, and attachments. As you know, we start each episode with the question, and by the end, not only will you leave with some answers, you're also going to leave with a hell of a lot to talk about with your own lovers and friends. So today, we are tackling the question. If you used to live with your partner, but you both decide that instead, someone has to move out. Are you technically still together? And furthermore, are you still in love?
2: This house is so full of people, it makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone! I'm living alone! Lovers
1: and friends, I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said. Today, we're talking about LAT. LAT? Yes, lat. LAT's an acronym for an unconventional relationship style where people in a committed relationship live apart, even though they are very much still together. Some LAT couples are married, like my guest of honor on this
3: episode, Evian Whitney, who sounds like this. When I was doing the LAT thing, like virtually there's nothing on the internet about it. So I felt like I was having to pioneer my way through this experience. Some LAT couples are in long-term relationships like model and content creator,
1: widely known for her work on Buzzfeed, Jasmine Robbins, who sounds like this.
2: Anybody going through this, just know that you are not weird. This is not abnormal. The family members, the friends, everyone, those are like, oh, you're breaking up. Oh, yeah. They're, what's wrong with them? They're going to break up. That's not normal. Honestly, fuck all of that.
1: You're going to hear more from Jasmine and so much more from Evian in this episode. But first, I want to address the elephant in your earpods what was with that clip at the top of the episode you just might have some questions about it like number one who was that and the short answer is my dad who is a guest in the third segment of this episode along with my mama who sounds like this
4: I always go to you don't even know who you are and that, that, these are the kind of dialogue I would have with myself it's like you don't even know who you are you you've been. You've been in a long-term relationship before, you know, um, before your husband, then, and then you met your husband, you fell in love and then you were in a relationship right away. You've never really given yourself a break. You've never really been out on your own. And my sister Lauren, who you know by now, sounds like this. Selfishly as your
5: child, I would love for you guys to have that language. I don't, I don't care if you call it lad or not, but I know that when you guys have your flare-ups, there's this tension around, okay, but it just doesn't make sense because you're just going to get back together. So why keep calling it
1: divorce when you know it's not going to be that... The second question you might have about that clip is why did I choose to open the episode with it? And that's a longer answer that I wanna chew on with you. So I talk about unconventional and non-traditional relationships a lot in my work. For one, I've been talking about my own with my husband, Jared Brady, since that cringy experience I had back on The View in 2016. There's no one size fits all anymore. Um, I am in a relationship with someone that I live with that's an open relationship, and I'm extremely happy and fulfilled in that space. What
5: do you mean by that, an open relationship? So if your man was out with another woman, wasn't sleeping with her, but was having intimate contact in a way like talking in a certain way that would you be mad then just curious do you yeah. want kids?
2: How do you have the conversation <laughs> with your
3: children
5: to explain your your lifestyle because it is non-traditional? I don't think that you would then get pissed off if your man was out with somebody else <laughs> I don't know
1: And, that. and, and you're with the kid? Yeah, it, it's, I, I can't <laughs> foreshadow How old is the kid? Deal breaker! And second of all, I am a huge advocate for people coming off of autopilot when it comes to their intimate lives in order to name, claim, and live what actually suits them and their intimate needs best. Because let's face it, your great grandma did missionary for 40 straight years on Fridays and Tuesdays exclusively, but likely that's not your humbly ever after. And just because every rom-com promotes monogamy as the end of relational disruption does not mean that that style of commitment won't mean the beginning of yours. It seems logical though, right? We don't all have sex and love the same people. So why would we all have sex and love the exact same ways? But the real truth is the idea that love and sex occur outside of the social acts people have been conditioned to view as normal is actually extremely uncomfortable for many. Hence why I included that clip. I know that when I'm introducing unconventional concepts, when it comes to love, it will be met with traditional outrage and granted, maybe your outrage isn't overt, but if you're honest with yourself, unless you have done a lot of work dismantling the idea that what's heavily promoted isn't superior, you might find yourself saying things like, I just don't know how some people can be in those kind of relationships. I mean, like when I love somebody, I fully love somebody or relationships just aren't what they used to be. People are searching for something fast and easy rather than powerful, meaningful, and stable, like our grandparents' generation. So with me already knowing that hearing about couples who decide that they could be closer if they had separate addresses is already gonna be a triggering concept for some, I had fully planned to take this section out of Evian's interview.
3: Yeah, I mean, Jonathan and I are also non-monogamous. You know, we've had an open relationship for gosh, I think like the last eight years of our relationship. And so if we are able to have relationships with other people, wouldn't this experiment of living apart also be an extension of that?
1: So like I said, hearing about a lack couple is going to be a lot for some, but hearing about a non-monogamous lack couple, oof, I could already hear the ears and minds closing. But- I neglected to take it out before I sent it to my parents because on this podcast, we always send the middle section in advance to whoever will be in that closing reflection piece so they know what they're responding to. And just as I feared the listeners wouldn't be able to hear anything beyond that part, my dad wasn't clearly able to hear anything beyond that part. And I actually thought that it was important to leave it in for that reason." Now, my dad is amazing. For those of you who follow me and know me and have seen my dad in various contents throughout the years will know that he is funny and intelligent and forward-thinking for the most part and bold, and on many occasions, I would strongly advise for you to try to be like my dad, which I often do in my life. But on this particular episode, I'm going to really encourage you not to be. All right, that being said, with an open mind, let's talk about lat. Actually, as promised, let's hear more from Jasmine, who's in a lat relationship with her partner, Kate.
2: My partner and I were together for two years when we moved in with each other and we stayed a year living with each other and then we moved out. COVID really fucked up this whole situation. A lot of intense things were going on and... On top of that, being afraid to leave the house because of the pandemic, it just didn't mix well. It's not something that I look and see between us was a problem. I honestly think it was just wrong, wrong place, wrong time wrong everything we decided two months before our lease was up that we were going to move out from each other and honestly it was hard um it started off kind of in like an argument and then it was just kind of thrown out there we were not even taking care of ourselves mentally and physically to be able to take care of each other so even making the decision to not live with each other was already a step in us bettering ourselves for each other. We're still together, we're going on three years in March. We live separately and honestly, it's exciting. It brought us right back to how we were dating before and it also gave us a very good lens on what we're gonna need from each other when we do eventually move back in with each other.
1: And Jasmine is far from being alone. If you really think about it, and I challenge you to do so, you might actually already know some couples who are LAT, even part-time LAT, hence why I asked my parents to come on for the third and final segment. And if you really, and I mean really think about it, a part of you might also have the capacity to envision your own happily ever after, happily living in your own space and choosing to visit your partners as often as you both desire, and as little as you both desire. And if you are interested in coloring in the lines of that thought, I got the perfect artist for you, Evian Whitney. Evian Whitney is a sexuality doula, a writer, facilitator, and sensualist who has an insatiable curiosity about sexuality. Evian is also the author of the new book, Sensual Self, which challenges you to ask, who would you be if you were fully in your body? Who would you be if you prioritized your pleasure? Sensual Self is in stores right now. It is beautiful. It is thoughtful. It is impeccable. I am so proud of you. I bought a copy. You also sent me a copy. Thank you so much for that. I gave away that copy right away because people were asking about it because it was sitting on my coffee table. I encourage everybody else right now to go and check that book out and hopefully to go and support it at your favorite bookstore. Today, Evian is here to share with me, and of course, all of you, my lovers and friends, what brought them and their husbands the age of 19 to make the lat move. Before we get to that, let's go to this. Welcome back. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about your love life. Yeah, wow, let's do
3: <laughs> Fascinated. I'm actually really excited to talk about this because it's just fun for me. Because I don't even know what direction to take this in. Are we taking this in the direction of LAT?
1: Because that is obviously like yeah. a growing trend for people. Are is we, it really a growing trend? Yes. Okay. Yes. And especially through the pandemic, a lot of couples did that and oh. realized they actually functioned better that way.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I, when I was doing the LAT thing, like virtually, there's nothing on the internet about it. So I felt like I was having to pioneer my way through this experience. So I love hearing that more people are doing it. You yeah. Know. Actually, one of the... A sex educator, Pepper Schwartz, I believe their name okay. is Doctor Pepper.
1: Yes, Pepper is Lat, and they wow. have two separate homes, and their marriage has been that way. I think for like decades at this point. Wow, that was the first person that I met that had that experience.
3: Interesting. So, yeah. Okay, but wow. are you not Lat though? Not anymore. Right? No. So we we made the decision to live back together, and it was it kind of just came to a healthy end. We we're just like, okay, we're we've done that experience, and. We're going to move on. So So. is it
1: a story of reconciliation? Is it a story of reconfiguration? Is it a story of... Is it a love story?
3: What story are we telling? Oh my God. I mean, it's all... D all of the above. I mean... (laughs) It's a, it's it's such a juicy story. Where, she, where should I begin? I mean, I think for me, it started with just asking some really difficult questions about my relationship. I have been with my partner since I was 19, going on 15 years now. And we were inseparable when we first met. I mean, the moment that we got together within like eight days, we we're like, we're in love with each other. <laughs> so we had a very fast and furious love story. But The older that we've gotten into our relationship, the more that I've realized that I wasn't given the space to be an independent person by myself. Like I was right almost out of high school. We met, we moved in together. There wasn't a lot of time for me to figure out who I was. And I was traveling actually a lot in 2018 and 2019. And it was the first time that I was ever traveling by myself. Like, I didn't really travel at all, but it was also the first time that I was allowed to like have my own space and get on a plane. And so I was really seeing myself through this like new lens of independence and self-reliance and like, oh shit, like I can hail a cab in New York. Like who thought? So it was really exciting. And I was realizing that like, I love who I am when I'm traveling. I love who I am when I have like 14 days away from my partner. Like that feels really good for me. Which was new because, you know, I grew up in a very like monogamous um, husband and wife cleaved together as one sort of household. And so this idea of like wanting to take a break from my partner, not because there was anything wrong, but just because I'm like, I like myself and I like my my solitude was really strange. I took a trip to Los Angeles. I'm from Los Angeles, um, but I was living in the Pacific Northwest at the time. And so it was my first time back in like nine years. And I just remember getting off that airplane. I was, I was here for work and I just felt like, oh my God, I'm home. Like it just felt so much nostalgia and so much memory and familiarity flooded through me as I was like leaving the tarmac. I felt just so deeply connected here. And I had a thought as I was like staying in an Airbnb in East LA, like, man, if I wasn't married, I would move here like in a heartbeat. I wondered about that. Like that's real. That's a really interesting thought. Huh. Interesting. And so then I started thinking about all the ways that my life would be different if I weren't in this relationship and why that would be, you know, which I think is natural to be in a relationship and, you know, you are on a different trajectory and you would make different decisions if you were single. But for me, I was really fascinated by that question. Like, who would I be if I wasn't in this relationship? How differently would I move in the world? Like, what decisions would I make? that I wouldn't be making right now. So those feelings when you had them, did you share them with your partner? Very gently. Because he didn't have any interest in being in LA. Like, he's like, I'm not really a fan. Was it kind of the opposite too? Like where you
1: were experiencing this joy from separation, did you feel like they were feeling longing?
3: Yeah, I I would say so. I think for Jonathan, he was like... Okay cool like when you come back I'm excited like to see you and I was like I want to go on another trip like I'm ready like let's I, actually the the first trip that I had I extended my stay by 5 days cuz I was having so much fun and I think Jonathan was disappointed cuz he was like you've been gone for 10 days and I want to see you again but yeah when I was having these feelings and they they weren't fully formed but I was just feeling this like longing for uh, independence and longing for like just being by myself and just you know, chewing that question over, like, who would I be if I wasn't in this relationship? Like, how different of a person would I be? And I remember telling Jonathan, like, yeah, I really enjoy traveling alone. Like, I'm thinking I might want to do that more often, like, not just because of work, because that was primarily what I was doing at the time, but just because I want to. And he's like, okay, well, that's cool. Um, And then I came back to LA a couple months later. And that's when I was like, okay, I was, I felt like I was getting like, all kinds of spiritual messages about like, this is where you need to be. Like this is the home that you need to be. You're a lot safer here. This is where your friends are. I felt very isolated in the Pacific Northwest. I lived there for nine years and I never really quite took to the the climate or anything. And so um I I was having some really deep realizations, like, oh shit, I think I think I have to move. And I think I have to move without Jonathan. And not because I don't want to be with him, but because I need to be with myself. Mm-hmm. And it was really confusing because, you know, in our culture, you're either with your partner or you're not with them. And so this idea of taking an intentional separation. For me, even as I was thinking about it, I we was like... Which is a sabbatical. Right. Like even the, the idea of taking a sabbatical, it's like there's something wrong. Yes. Like you guys are betting heads and the separation is for you to figure your shit out and figure out whether or not you want to be together. But we were actually doing really great. Like we weren't fighting. I wasn't unhappy in the relationship. He wasn't unhappy in the relationship. We were doing really well. And it was from that place that I was like, I... I I feel like we're strong enough to potentially try this. I remember the phone call that I made when I told Jonathan, like, I feel personally, like my personal journey is I need to move to LA. And I know that you're not keen on doing that. I know that that's not something that you want to do. So I'd like to move by myself and like, just try it out. And it was one of the most difficult conversations we've ever had because to say something like that there's there's so much in that you yes. know there's a lot of like oh so you don't love me anymore what aren't you telling me you know and i had to i think both of us had to reassure each other over and over that like no we're okay we're just wanting to try something new and like i'm really flying past so many of the hard conversations that we had i mean we had so many hard conversations about what this would look like and we weren't even sure if We could do it. I mean, when I was in it and really trying to figure out like, is this something that I want to do and and stuff like that? Um, I just like started researching like long distance relationships on purpose. (laughs) Because, like, I know that people have, like, long distance because, like, oh, my wife has to go to college for six months or whatever. Or, like, I'm away in Afghanistan or whatever. Like, the circumstances made it so that that was not a choice. But, like, what does it look like to be in a relationship long distance because you want to? Mm. And I didn't find a lot of things, but I did happen to stumble across the term LAT, living apart together. And it was within the context of like these super rich, like stupid, stupid rich celebrities who had the ability to like buy a mansion in France and also have a mansion in Malibu. And so they were able to like live in that way. Um, and I was really curious about that. I'm like, I get it. It's really expensive to live like this. But like, what what is possible for someone like me who isn't a celebrity, who doesn't have the ability to just like, jet set, you know, like what's, what's possible. And we, we found a way to fine tune it to our needs. And, but when we finally decided to make it, it felt like the best thing. Like it just felt like a decision that you know that you need to make. And then you finally make it and you're like, okay, great. Let's move forward. Let's do it. And so we made the decision that I was going to move to LA and Jonathan was going to stay in the Pacific Northwest. And originally we were going to do it like on a trial by trial basis. So the apartment that I ended up getting was big enough so that like, if this failed miserably, if within like a month, I was like, I can't stand it. I need someone to be here with me. Jonathan would just move down. Originally, we were just going to kind of take it month by month and see what happened. It ended up lasting for almost a year. We did it for 11 months. Where he lived in Oregon and I lived in LA. We only saw each other, I think, five times during that time because of the pandemic. That was not expected. When we first started doing this, we were like, we're going to see each other twice a month because we really wanted to maintain that connection. And then a couple of weeks after I first moved, everything got shut down because of coronavirus. We were talking every day, but like, you know, I was living by myself for the first time ever in my life. And pandemic was happening. It was, it was scary, but I was also really surprised at how resilient I was and how I was able to like hold space for myself and not have someone else be a regulator for me. Like I learned to self-regulate through this process. And I learned so much about myself. I mean, it was through that experience that I got really close to understanding who I was within my gender. It was really through that experience as well that I I figured out like the certain aspects of our relationship that wasn't working.
1: Yes. I can even imagine because I know that last year as a black person was a tremendously important and tremendously difficult year. Yes. And your partner is white. Yeah. I would imagine that having that space during that time for you to sort through your feelings on completely your terms would have been helpful.
3: Yeah, that was that was big. I mean, Portland also is um, historically very, very white. And so that was one of the major things that kept me from being there and kept me from feeling like I could find safety in a home there. And so being in LA where it's, where it's much more diverse and also being away from my partner who is white, it allowed me to see the aspects of my relationship that I wasn't wanting to see because of the inconvenience of looking at like those differences, getting away from that sort of like pressure cooker, you know, and just being able to be with myself and my own feelings and my own emotions was really, really healing. I learned so much through that process.
1: For the flip side, for the partner who I want to say didn't want this.
3: This wasn't his choice. <laughs> but I think the more that we talked about it and the more we put a lot of intention into it, I think he was like, okay, I'm down with this because I could use some time too. Like he was going through a lot of health challenges and he just really wanted to be alone with his own body. Um, And I think ultimately... He was with me when I was talking about like, yeah, you know, I've been with you since I was 19. Like we've never known long stretches of time without each other. Like, what would that be like? I think he was also in that space too of like, wow, I've been with you since I was 21. And I think the longest we've ever been apart was like two weeks. So what does it look like? Who am I if I'm not your husband? You know, who am I if our relationship isn't the center of my universe? And it was really enlightening to see like, what came up when the other partner was decentered from each other's universes and all we had was ourselves.
1: And it's fascinating because to do this, you have to also be comfortable with the person saying, who I am outside of you is my preference and I want to continue to be that person.
3: Yeah. There was a big fear actually, I think for both of us that we were going to love that experience so much that we didn't want to be back together. Because ultimately when we did this, it was very clear, very cut. Like we loved each other still. We wanted to be in relationship with each other. This wasn't a divorce. It wasn't a separation. It was just we're living apart, long distance. And eventually we will come back together. But there was that fear of like, what if, you know, six months down the line, I actually had that fear a lot. I had the fear of like, after six months, I'd be like, I think I want to do this for another you year. You had the fear that you would still feel that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. interesting, And, you know, we were both very open. I think what really helped this process is that we 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 were very communicative. So we made it so that, like, if things changed, we would talk about it. So there wasn't times where I would be thinking about, like, oh man, i really I really want another month. i would we would just talk about it, and we would decide it together. Um, but ultimately, you know, it started to really wrap up for me, I would say around like month 10, like about a month before he was moving in. I was like, I I, I, I love who I am when I'm alone, but I also love who I am when, when I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And I love the relationship that we have. And I love the connection and the banter that we share with each other. Like it adds so much richness into my life. And so that was ultimately what brought us back together. And we've been living together ever since. And then do you feel like, it's a brand new relationship now? Yes, which is uh, that surprised the fuck out of me, but I it really felt like a like it was a massive reset button that was pressed and we both did our own work very separate from each other. I mean, we were both in therapy. I was doing a lot of trauma trauma healing within um within my time. He was doing a lot of his own trauma healing. So like we we separated from this place of trying to just figure ourselves out. Like, who are we? What do we want? What needs to be healed? And also, like, what do we want in a relationship? Because I think because of how fast our relationship went, we didn't really have time to, like, think about those things. You know, we didn't have time to think about, okay, this is who I am as an individual, and this is the type of individual that I want to bring into my life that will complement that It was just like, I'm in love with you and we've only known each other for eight days. And this is what love looks like from every example I've ever seen. So we're going to do this. Exactly. Exactly. So the idea of separating to like find each other again is very radical.
1: What does the new relationship look like?
3: There is a lot less codependency. I think the time that we spent apart really highlighted the ways that there was a lot of uh, codependency in our relationship, a lot of enmeshment. And I think to a degree, that's natural. It happens when you're living in close quarters with someone for a long time. When you have been together for like 15 years, you're going to be in a relationship that is more codependent. It just, that's how it is. But I think both of us were able to see the ways in which the relationship was codependent in the wrong ways. You know, back in the day before all of this, if Jonathan was in his office for like three hours at a time, I'd be like, why isn't he hanging out with me? It's Saturday. Let's hang out. And now it's like, he's his own person. He yes. gets he gets to do what he wants to do. If he's watching MMA for three hours, that's a permission for me to do something else. Like I've been able to see us both as two individual people that have come together to make a new relationship. It's like that um, arithmetic, like one plus one equals three like, I really feel like we're into that. Like, it's not like me and Jonathan together, we make a whole, it's like, we are two individual people and we are consciously choosing to create a relationship together.
1: And that third relationship doesn't impinge on those individual relationships with self. Right. Which I think is really important for people to acknowledge is that there is a version of you outside of me that is allowed. Right. Because our relationship, you know, it it's kind of like, you know, when somebody's like, when I see you with your friends, you're a totally different person. Like, who is that? Yeah. It's them. But it's just not the them that's with you. Right. And you have to allow space for that and love that version of, the, of them and be happy that that person gets to exist without taking that personal. Right. Like there doesn't, not every reflection, not every aspect or angle of me, not all of my choices are a reflection on how I feel about you and our relationship. That's right. I think for a lot of people detaching that concept is really difficult. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of where non-monogamy comes in. Right. Because we are so conditioned to think that if you want to go here, that must mean you're not happy here. Right.
3: Yeah. I mean, Jonathan and I are also non-monogamous. You know, we've had an open relationship for gosh, I think like the last eight years of our relationship. And so if we are able to have relationships with other people, wouldn't this experiment of living apart also be an extension of that? What does it look like for me to have a relationship with myself and to value that relationship and to need to go away from you to like really focus and be in that relationship? And the beautiful part of that is that like that experience has helped me show up to relationship that we have in a much fuller way. There there was a little bit of a a learning curve when we came back together because I mean, we'd been apart for so long that I was a little nervous, like, man, I got really used to being by myself and not having to think about you or your dietary needs or like what time you want to go to bed. Like I was just living free and vice versa with him. I mean, he experienced the same. So one of the questions that we had when we were, you know, thinking about coming back together is how can we still have what we had when we were living apart, but just integrate it into the relationship that we have when we're going to be back together. Just having that memory of what it felt like to be on my own and to rely solely on myself and to have that connection and that relationship. I can remember those those feelings and I can bring those feelings into the relationship. So
1: Jared and I use a title called free relationship. Mm. And what that essentially means is that the structure of us being together is not an integral part of our agreement. Ah. So a lot of people come together under monogamy. And right. so if you break the idea of monogamy, we now are in a place where we decide, should we break up all together? Right. Because the agreement is that we're together and that's exclusive. And so because of the fact that we don't, We acknowledge that our relationship is going to look in various different forms and ways. It's not a deal breaker. If Jared came to me and said, I just want to go to Japan for Mm -hmm. 11 months, I don't want you to come. Yeah. That wouldn't be grounds for me to say, well, clearly we have to renegotiate if we should even be together. Because we both acknowledge that the structure of our relationship is really not the thing that binds us.
3: Yeah. I resonate with that a lot. I think that is actually... Exactly what Jonathan and I are doing. We just don't have language for it. Like we're really both, both of us, you and I, we're redefining what it means to be in a marriage. Because I know, I mean, I don't know about you, but like my parents' marriage was not like this at all.
1: Well, my parents' marriage is actually it's a very fascinating thing because my parents did uh, live apart. Okay. And my parents, but I think because they existed in a world where you had to decide if you were getting divorced or not. Every time my parents have split up, which my mom has gotten her own apartment, my mom has moved to Spain at some point, so my mom has moved to LA for a couple months at one point. Um, and they've always done it under the pretense of we're breaking up. Mm. But they always get back together. Yeah. And it's actually interesting because during these times of separation for them, they grow closer together. Mm. But because I don't think they have the language or the examples to say, hey, you can live apart and it doesn't have to mean the end of the relationship. Right. They always get to the place of like, I need this space. And in order to give themselves permission to do that, they have a divorce.
3: That's interesting. It's it's interesting to think that there are so, there are a lot more people out here that are in these kinds of dynamics but we don't have words for it. We don't have community around it. And maybe there's a little bit of shame around it too, that like our relationship is unconventional. It doesn't look like what we've been taught that it should look like that we don't talk about it. And I would love to see more people be open and honest about the many different ways that a relationship can look like. There can still be love a month's distance.
1: Shout out to Evian for sharing their expertise so beautifully and poignantly and patiently. You can learn more about Evian by following their Instagram at evian.whitney or by visiting www.evianwhitney.com, that's spelled E-V-Y-A-N, which is also where you can learn more about their new book, Sensual Self, and podcast also called Sensual Self, which explores the intersectionality between pleasure and wellness. Now, during that interview, you heard me relate a lot of what Evian was saying to my parents' relationship as well. And I was curious to see if my mom and dad were making similar connections or would make similar connections once they heard what Evion had to say. And to test that theory out, I invited them to come on the podcast and to share their reflections. I also invited my sister Lauren on to make it a complete family affair because why not? We're about to dive into that heated conversation, but first let's dive into this heat. All right, let's do this. All right, mama. Hello. 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 Cool single guy. Hello. Hi. Hey, dad. AKA dad. Is that the persona you're taking on today? That's his live persona. (laughs) Is that your living apart together persona? (laughs) Over there on one of their breaks, he becomes cool single guy. For those of you listening, you know when you can write your name on Zoom, my dad's written name (laughs) is cool single guy. I know it's a version of you that you dip in and out of.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: All right, speaking of dip in. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not at all, speaking of dipping, but you listened to the interview just now with Evian, and I would yes. love to get your reflections.
4: So I could see why you thought that we would be great candidates to talk about this, that living apart together Lat's a term that I actually have never, ever heard before. I believe that's just called a divorce. Once you live apart, then you are in the process of getting a divorce or separated. I didn't know that you live apart and that yet still you're together. I I get it now. Yes, we were in that, but I never knew there was a term for it. It was interesting and also interesting to know that there's a lot of people who out there who do that. There's also a lot of people who are the opposite to that, who live together but apart. So LTAs, right? Oh, there are LTAs. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Mom got a new term. Right. There you go.
1: (laughs) What would you think, Dad?
0: Like, I listened to her story, and it's like, it's not, you're not living together apart. You're living separately, screwing other people.
1: They were living apart, but they were, maintained their marriage and maintained their relationship.
0: It was a marriage in name only. It was just like, I'm too lazy to get divorced and, or separated or let's try this out. Maybe like a trial of separation. But yeah. for us, we had children very young. So we, we basically, we met, we fell in love. By the time you came along... We forgot who each other was, and then when you left the house, so we had to adjust to the this person, and then you you expect them to be something that they're not, and so it was for us. It's just like the time away allowed us to uh, to accept each other for who who we really are, like the two people who we met who met at that in 1981, right? Because the intention was to okay, let's get away from each other. But then it's like, once we're away going like, I I really miss this person. This is my person.
5: Was the intent ever, let's just get away from each other or was the intent, we're splitting up And we're going to start making moves now, which means step one, getting away from each Mm -hmm. other, but always moving towards Uh, the end goal of of divorce versus let's Mm -hmm. just take space.
4: So for me, anyways, when I know that when, you know, it basically it came to a crescendo. So it was, um, you know, there's certain things and aspects you know that you're quiet about for a while, and then after a while, it just sort of hits that peak where you just can't take it anymore. That that straw that broke the camel's back, and you blow up. That's that's basically how I handled um, situations. And I always go to you. Don't even know who you are. And that, that, these are the kind of dialogue I would have with myself. It's like you don't even know who you are. You you've been you've been in a long term relationship before you know um, before your husband, then. And then you met your husband, you fell in love, and then you were in a relationship right away. You've never really given yourself a break. You've never really been out on your own. What would it be like to be on your own? Sometimes I'm looking at some of my friends who were single and thinking, you know, there are aspects that I look at them and there are aspects that they look at me and think that, you know, wow, you're it's great you've got you're in a marriage. I look at them, it's great you're single. So, it was an opportunity for me to say, you know what? I just want to be out on my own, but the Problem with that, even as much as I said that to myself, is as much as I missed that person when I was on my own, and that's the kind of the struggle that you have internally with yourself. And so, it's took me. It took me a long time to get to the point where I am right now, where I am happy and comfortable being on my own and yet still I'm happy and comfortable being together. So I'm whole alone and I'm whole together. Just going back to her story in their situation and in our situation, which, um, basically resonated with me anyways, is that, wow, it's just sound just exactly like us as right down to the fact that she met him when she was 19. Mm. I met you when I was 22. Um, she, they, they dated for like eight days and moved in. We dated and in two months were engaged. One year later, we were married. Mm-hmm. So everything was sort of on hyperspeed, just like her story is the same with our story. And, you know, maybe did we give ourselves an opportunity to get to know each other? Is there such a thing as a love at first sight? I mean, we will stand by that because it happened to us. Oh, yeah. They will stand by that because it happened to them. But, you know, later on, you start having those second guesses. They are 15 years together. We are 40 years together.
0: So do you want to try an open marriage then?
4: No, no, not interested.
1: Okay. (laughs) What's interesting to me is that you're hinging on their open marriage and then discrediting their relationship because of that. Where a lot of people can I'm discredit.
0: Not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not discredit their relationship. Yeah, you did.
1: You said that they don't even have. They don't even have a marriage. They weren't even together because they're just screwing other people.
0: You're not together if you're seeing other people.
1: Okay, so you are basing it on what your belief system around love is, but. Yeah, oh, but anybody could can listen to your guy's relationship and say, well, they don't have a real marriage. They're not really together because they break up once a year and they want time apart. But I just mean everybody could use the thing that they don't relate to, to try to say, well, that couple's not really in love. Yeah. But I think the purpose of this entire podcast yeah. is to say, there's so many different relationship structures. And just because it doesn't look like the one that you're one directly in, two you see in movies or three your parents had, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it's not valid. And I feel like when I listened to her interview, I was like, I wish my mom and dad heard of this term because instead of them going to extremes of we don't need to be together anymore, they Mm -hmm. could just say, hey, maybe we're a couple who benefits from having long stretches of time apart once in a while. And when we come back together, we're stronger and we get to know each other more. We fall in love more in those separations. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to get divorced Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that I might need time away from you every once in a while and that's how we function the way So best. then
4: Shannon, my question to you then is that why did why did you say I wish my parents had have known this term before? Because basically what you just said is exactly what we have done. We just didn't have a label for it. So we have lived apart and we have come back together and our relationship has been strong for a period of time. Until we sort of go down that road again. But we didn't need a label. To your point, mom,
5: exactly what ended up happening is within the description. I think the nuance here is that it wasn't a step to be taken in terms of moving forward towards divorce. It was a step that was taken in terms of each individual exploring themselves as whole. And hopefully coming back together as better for themselves and better for one another. I think that that was always the end result of what you did. I just wonder that now that you have that language, now that you understand that there is that structure and it doesn't need to be the only reason that we don't live together is because we are going to get divorced. If you kind of have that flare up, do you see your language being different to say, hey, maybe this is just time apart? It doesn't necessarily mean that we are on the road to divorce.
4: I would say 100% yes. Um, And in that sense, it's definitely... Um, A term that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, like the end result was that anyways. It's just not something that I don't want to say our generation, because I even feel like people in your generation also still don't grasp as well. It was a new term for me, mom. Yeah, exactly. So it's not something um, that too many people would totally understand. I, could, I couldn't go to my friend, my neighbor, my colleagues and just say, well, Brian and I are just going to live apart, but we're going to stay together. We're not going to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. We're, it, they would sort of scratch their head and say, well, isn't that called a separation?
1: That's what I think the joy of a, a label is. Like when you know you can say to somebody, yeah, we're a lat couple or even if you're not, because you don't have to always be monogamous or open or lat, like your dynamics can change as time changes. So if you're explaining to somebody to say, I'm going to move to Spain for three months. Oh, what about your husband? Yeah, he's not coming. Oh, what does that mean for your relationship? You know, we're a lat couple. We do that. Well, what's a lat couple? Oh, you never heard of it before. And then now you get to point to the fact that there is a word in a community of people who have it. And I just help that helps to normalize it. Mm-hmm. So people might jump to the conclusion that if you, if nobody else shares that term, then you're just trying to justify your divorce. But if there's a community of people who all subscribe to the structure. Well, maybe there's something to it. And that's why I think there's power in the label.
4: I, no, I agree. I'll tell you why. is because with my girlfriends and you know with Joan yeah. and them, I have also used the term, you know what, Brian and I have been a couple. And they're like, what? I educated them and they're like, wow, I like that. So after a while, you start educating people about the term and they sort of gravitate to it. And I don't know whether they're using it in their language or if they even remember it, but it's definitely something that going forward, I can see it being out there in my circle because I will start educating people on it.
0: Uh, I know. So I think in that sense, like if you are mature enough to say, you know what? I love you, but I still want to see other people. And that really doesn't change how I feel about you. And you're going to have two people who can agree to that. I think that's pretty freaking incredible because the other alternative is, like I said, the majority of people will cheat. And that leads leads to guilt. Did you want to apologize to Evian for shitting on a marriage on, in the un, beginning of this? an unhealthy thing. <laughs> you
5: did. <laughs> did he shit on it? <laughs> did he shit on no, their relationship? Shitting on my, I'm shitting on on. I know on just the term. two people screwing other people. The what is
1: that?
0: It's a made up <laughs> thing. Term. Get divorced. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I was saying the term is no, wrong. They, they, they're they're they've labeled it correctly. They're living like, apart together, but they're also
5: non monogamous. They've labeled it correctly. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what they're doing. To your point,
4: you just don't agree with it. your point, it was their permission it was I stand with an understanding corrected. and I they're open
0: corrected. about it. Yeah, so so at the end of the podcast I've been educated and I'm a better person.
1: I'd like to end there. <laughs> 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 that sounds great to me. I Love this episode. I mean, I love most of the episodes. That's because we really put our foot in it and put the work in and I'm proud of the work that we are doing. But there's something really special about this episode because each person brought their truth and they left some truth behind for other people to do something powerful with. And I hope that you are one of those other people. And if you do feel like you're one of those other people, then you're gonna wanna follow the people who have given you a new perspective because that's just polite. Um, Starting off the top with Jasmine J who just did a little brief cameo because Jasmine really connected with this topic. And we're really, really proud to share her perspective and even happier that in future, we are going to have Jasmine as a guest on the podcast. You can follow Jasmine at Jasmine J. Make sure our guest of honor, Evian Whitney, who just put out a book. Evian is on Instagram at evian.whitney. And last but not least, the Boo Drams. Round of applause to you. You were vulnerable. You were honest. You were poignant. You were bold. You were wrong. You were strong but you were humbled. And that includes me as well. I am deeply humbled and so grateful for my parents. I'm so so grateful for my sister. I'm grateful for what I learned about love through them and how they're continuing to evolve their relationship and be a great example for me. And so if you also want to get some more boodram action in your life, make sure you check them out on social media. My mom is on YouTube and on Instagram at your travel with Olivia. My dad is on Instagram at Braibu, but I feel like my dad changes his Instagram handle every I don't know, month. So if you listen to this podcast in six months, I hope that still works for you. And my sister is on Instagram at this is Lauren Elizabeth, but you knew that because you've been following her from the other prompts. Um and thank you for being here. Thanks for I always adore people who are listening to the end. I don't even know who you are, but we're making eye contact right now and holding hands and swinging in a circle. Like that's how I feel because we made it this far. We're the last kids on the playground. And thank you so much for playing with me. If you have yet. To solidify our playmate relationship by leaving a five star review and also writing a review, please go and do so. That is the only way to tell the world that this is a podcast worth listening. There are no views, there's no comment section. So that really, really matters. Those couples of seconds that you take can really help stretch the potential of what we're trying to accomplish here. If you also want to be a part of what we're accomplishing here in a more meaningful, more personal, that, in a more personal way, Allah, you want to have your perspective shared on the podcast, on my mailing list, shanbudram.com slash list, we often put out the castings for the future episodes, so you can hop on if you've got two cents on whatever we're talking about in the upcoming weeks, because we're here every single week bringing the conversation to you and make sure that you have followed the podcast to ensure that you don't ever miss a beat or an episode. Because I don't want to miss you. We got a good thing going. Let's keep it that way. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, Lovers and friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down. Baby. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojico, Two West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at Morsauce and this podcast is powered by MoreSauce from Stitcher.